Welcome to Bruin Source. This is Isaiah. This is Ed. And today, and this is Kevin. This, hey, there we go. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> today's a special episode as we have one of our good friends, one of uh, the famous know, Kevin, the, the famous, infamous, uh, depending on who you speak to, Kevin. Uh, also, not really very loyal. <laughs> you get both. Literally, not depending. a single list. Not a single one of our five dedicated listeners knows who you are, Kevin. But um, Kevin, Kevin is also a UCLA alum. Went to school with us. Uh, he was my roommate for two years, and um, also unfortunately, warm aid of us. And unfortunately, is also cursed with being a uh, lifelong UCLA fan. So. Um, we we brought him on to get some uh, fresh perspective on whatever the hell's going on with uh, UCLA sports. And I think the fun thing bringing Kevin into this is uh, kind of mirroring our our group chats that we have. Kevin always offers a little bit more balance to me and Zed. Zed brings the passion and emotion. I bring the kind of optimism and foolishness, and Kevin kind of balances it out and gives a, a pretty level experience you know, uh, more, uh, what is it? Leveled perspective on that front. So yeah, I thought it would be fun for us to, to bring it all into voices and whatnot. And especially going into the basketball season, which we're all very excited about, as you can tell is, you know, from our five listeners, we did take a hiatus, I believe. What was it after the ASU game? Uh, we made a commitment to, yeah, it was over it. Yeah. And the football season, we've gone through this, for four years, and we just weren't going to give our energy to this. You, you, you talked a lot about the balancing perspectives. I don't know how many perspectives are really left on that one. So <laughs> I think that was a good call. I think we're trending in the way. Yeah, we, we are heading towards a change, um, especially after Utah. That's that's the last game that was played. We're in a bye week now. But, I mean, it, it is coming – to head and, and it's funny how we started out we had a big win against LSU that turned out to be as we said in the podcast and episodes before a little bit of you know blue and full of gold but here we are and what going into week nine and we have a bye and we were rumors and tremblings that there was going to be a change we didn't know what that was going to be it looks like that's not the case which is probably the best for the students but, uh, yeah, it, it feels like the writing is on the wall um, over the next few games. What do you guys think is going to happen over the next few games if we just were focusing on the unfilled stuff? Yeah, let's hear your I, perspective. Yeah, I, I agree with Isaiah. I don't think there will be a midseason change unless we really collapse in, in one of these upcoming weeks here. I've always held the opinion that if a coach's job comes down to a game or a couple games, you already know the answer. And I feel like Chip Kelly has been trending towards that ever since really Arizona state that I think that one really kind of hit at home with Utah. Now I think we've officially entered that, you know, game by game basis. And I think when you hit that point, uh, there's, that pretty much means there's not much you can do to really turn this around. The burden of evidence is against you over many years. Um, I agree. It's not the best thing for the student athletes to make a change mid season. I hope the focus should always be to give them the best chance to win and to be successful. 
Uh, but for UCLA, uh, I do I do think coming down the stretch here, I think it's pretty predictable. Honestly, we have three bad football teams coming in uh, down the stretch, and I expect that we will win some of those games. I could see us finishing eight and four. I could see us finishing seven and five. But all in all, I think the season has told us that this isn't going anywhere. We know what's coming game after game. Okay, we're going to run the ball well or decently well. And we're going to do the same thing game after game on defense. It's not going to stop anyone. And that's why we are always going to have a chance to lose uh, in under this coaching staff and the defensive setup the way it is right now. Uh, so I think with that, it'll be hopefully a fun three-game finish. Hopefully we can beat USC. I think that's something that everyone wants. And then we all, I think, hopefully trust Martin Jarman to make the right decision. Yeah, he's, he's a dead man walking at this point. And honestly, if we lost to Colorado, like we should leave that fool in Denver and never see his face back in LA. Like, and and at this point, I'm not even discounting that. Like that could happen with with this team. I wouldn't be surprised. So uh, whether we fire him now or at the end of the season, I it, I truly don't think it matters. I actually think if we're talking about putting our student athletes in positions to win. Like firing him might actually help them out at this point. Um, it's just. He's not doing it, so why not let an interim coach like Jerry Neuheisel step in and, <laughs> and take over the reins for a little bit? Um, at least he'll bring the passion and energy, unlike good old Chip and uh, crew. It's, yeah, I think I, I completely agree with everything Kevin said, though. Like he's there's if you if this is reliant on one game, then you already know the answer. And I think we, we all know that answer. It's, it's coming. And it's just a matter of who we actually replace him with at this point, not if we're going to replace him um, in my opinion. Um, And I think Martin Jarman's too savvy of a, of an athletic director to let this slide um, into another year of mediocrity. I just, I don't see that in the cards for him. So. um, Yeah, I guess. Yeah, go ahead. I, I mean, to your point, I think Jarman is the really, uh, I don't want to say, maybe it's the linchpin here, but we know who he is now at this point, whether it's publicly or, you know, privately through, you know, anecdotes from boosters who have raved about him is that he has made it clear that football uh, program needs to win and it needs to be excellent. This is a guy who has a pedigree. Um, that trails, I mean, BC, of course, is, uh, if not, one of the premier programs um, in ACC, but you see now that they're trending up and that has to do with the hire that he's brought from schools and that he was at prior and he saw that went important winning was in the big 10 with Ohio state and Michigan state. So I, I it's interesting to hear both perspectives because I hear, I, you know, I tend to after, you know, the, again, after each game, I want to just, like you said, I have the feelings of Zed where you want to tarmac him and then as the week goes by, you realize it's probably not the best thing. And and I look at other schools who have fired their coaches midseason. 
um, elsewhere. And it's usually the reason being is because they have a target they're going after. I don't know if we necessarily have like someone that we have set up that we want to go after. We fired Mora the day after USC, which was a huge surprise in 2017 because, you know, Florida was moving in and trying to close on Kelly. And we, for some reason, had some intel or some inkling that we could have a chance, you know? So I, I, I you know, after the, the, the ashes settle of Utah, I'm like, all right, you know, I mean, fi- fi- firing him, three games, you know, before the end of the season is just to satisfy me and that probably doesn't do good amongst the program. And I don't want to reduce our chances to beat SC because the funny thing is now that we lost to Utah, USC game doesn't matter. Even if we win it, it doesn't feel like it's going to save his job. If we beat Utah or beat Oregon, then all of a sudden USC matters and it puts us in this kind of uh, crossroads of which path we want to go. But it, it actually, like you guys said, as Kevin said, as Zed said, uh, it, it's pretty much done, the whole program. I mean, um, you see, go ahead. Well, I just wanted to jump in real quick because I think when, anytime you talk about firing a coach, uh, it's really easy to get into the whole, you know, negative spiral about it. You'll have a lot of other fan bases come in and be like, you know, it's easy for someone else to come in and look at this and be like, hey, like they've been losing for three years and all of a sudden they're going to go eight and four. So why are they going to fire the coach? Uh, and in this case, I think it's important to add some perspective on this. Uh, I'm of the opinion you change a coach because you no longer feel that he is going to lead you into the direction that you want to go moving forward. So it's not always about, you know, look at four years and your, your, your record and do you deserve to be fired? That's part of it. But then also going forward, you see signs that this, that this coach can turn this program around and get you to where you want to be. And the answer to both of those questions right now with Chip Kelly is no. Five years, he's on track to have the worst record, as has been well-documented, of any UCLA football coach in a four-year span. And moving forward, I mean, this is a veteran team. A lot of these guys are going to be gone next year. Uh, Recruiting has not been up to to par under Chip Kelly. His approach to it is very unique. I think when he came on, we were all willing to be patient with that because he is Chip Kelly – he followed somewhat of a similar approach at Oregon uh, to do that. But again, we're not recruiting at a top level. We've retained coaches that have produced the same results year after year. He doesn't show signs of wanting to change those coaches. He doesn't show signs of wanting to change his recruiting approach. All these things kind of point to the fact that that's why it's time for a change here because we're not winning games now. We're going to lose a lot of players. And we have a coach that doesn't seem to want to make changes to make this thing successful. So I think all of that points well, to why this is happening. Your time about making changes. I think the biggest example of that is is our good friend Santa Claus, Jerry Azanaro, who literally has been fielding some of the worst defenses in the history of the school, if not, it feels like the history of the sport. And he's still on the sideline. Like it's it's absurd uh at this point um so so to your point i mean there's there's a stubbornness and unwilling to 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 adapt with this uh with chip kelly and it's just yeah you're right it's not trending in the right direction i i think we've covered the the myriad of of reasons why we need to get rid of chip i i think that's become abundantly clear the real question I have for you guys is who do we go after? 
This is going to be real interesting because we're, should we make a change, about to enter a very hot coaching market. I mean, we have two premier jobs open right now. I think most people would agree with that, LSU and USC. And we have other pretty good jobs also opening up across the country already. A lot of people have fired coaches midseason this year, which is interesting. And it's not just the ones that are open. Those are going to set into effect a domino here. Uh, Let's say LSU goes and gets Mel Tucker, and that job's going to open up. And then who does Michigan State go and get? And all this is going to happen. So it's an interesting time to enter the market. The easiest hire probably for Martin Jarman to make would be Jeff Halfley. If he's interested, he's worked with them before. Um, and if it's not him, then I think you look for somebody on the West coast that has a good track record of developing players. I think uh, if you know, you can look at Fresno state and what they're doing there, uh, or you can go a coordinator route. Uh, I do know this. I think UCLA is going to be willing to pay a lot of money and to get the right coach. Cause Martin Jarman is right. Football is the revenue driver here. It needs to be successful. Yeah. I yeah. Mean, people. Go ahead, Isaiah. I, I think you hit the two targets that I think that, you know, most of us uh, would have on our list. Uh, and I think you're completely right in terms of the domino effect. And I would say, yeah, I mean, our job, granted, we, we have always the potential to be higher, but we'll probably be around Michigan State and TCU for opening. And if Florida opens up, that's going to be another premier job that will be above us. So there's a potential for, for three jobs to open up. Um, hey, we already beat and, Florida out for Chip. Don't, don't I, yeah, count us out against those clowns. That that you have a point there. So maybe their whole chaos can 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 push another coach our way, and then Nebraska might be opened up as well. So a, a, the potential, whatever is happening in December, there's there's a lot of things that could happen. Um, I think the names you mentioned, DeBoer is you know obvious or DeBoer. I don't know how to say his name, um, but. He, I think he's going to be a hot name that comes up. Uh, PJ Fleck was obviously a name until he locked up that extension yesterday. Um, but we'll we'll see. I mean, there's it's going to be interesting. I know there's going to be other Pac-12 schools making changes too and going after Washington State is still open. They're going to be probably going after DeBoer as well, given he has ties to the school um, and it, on that front. So. It, it it will be an interesting market versus 2017 where we were, uh, you know, there was other schools, but I think if I remember correctly, we were like the West Coast school that if you're going to go West, you would come to. So uh, interesting times on that front. Uh, Zed, what were you going to say? Yeah, Halfley's name keeps coming up. He's done an okay job at BC. Obviously, that's a school with a lot of disadvantages, um, you know, college football on the East coast just really isn't a big deal. Um, and he's playing against, you know, schools in the, the mid Atlantic Southern region that, that do make it a big deal. So I, I think he, he has some disadvantages and he's done a decent job there, but nothing screams to me that he's going to jump over here and be immediately successful, but obviously the German connections there. So it's an easy one to Net, I, I I don't know. Like you know, you think about yeah, DeBoer's name is going to come up. Um, I'm curious to see. You know, does does some? I think we have to wait to kind of see who else shakes out. Like 
does Michigan do something stupid and get rid of Harbaugh? Like that would be a pipe dream for me. I, I would be happy hiring Jim Harbaugh back to the Pac-12 um, if that were to happen. Um, so I don't, I, I don't think there's a clear major target for us to go after. And I, I don't know if you can say there's a clear major target for any, even of the, the big the the kind of premier jobs to go after. I know you mentioned Mel Tucker, but you know he has a pretty sweet gig up at at Michigan State with a, a top you know three. What are they ranked? I I forget what they're ranked in the CFP, but you know a, a CFP contending team that that's generally a program that is uh, up in the the ranked in the top fifteen every year. So. You know, it's 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 tough to see like a clear front runner for any school. So I'm not. I, I think Martin Jarman has his his work cut out for him, frankly. And I think um, it's it's going to be interesting to see who shakes out before um, we actually even fire fire trip and, and are in a position to hire somebody else. But um, yeah, we'll we'll see. A lot of moving pieces there, but here we are, a few weeks of football. Um, we have SC coming up in two weeks uh, from the Saturday, um, which would be a pretty big game. So let's just enjoy the ride. And then I'm, I'm excited to see if Garbers continues playing. He probably won't, but um, just a little peek into the future. And we have some talent there, but that's that. That's the, I feel like we did a good job of wrapping up where football is and where it's going. Yeah, um, we have happier things to talk about. Happier things coming up as of, I mean, technically, I guess tonight, tonight. leading to the game. Yep, can't wait uh, to be back in Poly. It's been been a been a long time. Last game I went to how, was how many times have you guys watched highlights of our March Madness run of various games? <laughs> uh, I watched Michigan Alabama. <laughs> like I, I've watched those two games so many times, like the highlight package that put up on there. I've even I'm put on the full game. To say. No, I'm I not. Watched I'm not. To say. Yeah, uh, but Gonzaga, I've stayed away from. I, I, I can't. Even though it's such a great game leading up to a shot, maybe I'll just truncate the whole. You know, the last ten seconds. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I've watched it. I've watched that run a lot on YouTube. Um, well, but hopefully we get to keep that party going this year. Yeah, rank number two going into the season. Uh, we just, you know, kind of give a lay of the land. We have Chico State uh, tonight. And then next week we have CSU Bakersfield. And we have Villanova on Friday, which is going to be the big one. And a big litmus test to... Uh, the early season, I would say, because obviously, as we've seen in the past, this team gets better as time goes on. But we're coming into the season how we expect UCLA to come in, highly ranked, um, with veterans, a good balance of, you know, youth also filling in. And uh, also, you know, a very talented transfer in, in many respects coming from the East Coast and returning home. And so it's just, I mean, it's just so exciting to see, like, a good group of character of guys, um, you know, and, and, and talent depth with a coaching staff that is so steady and balanced um, that has, you know, who, who's also rolling when it comes to recruiting 
uh, definitely in a, you know, a last battle with, or a couple of battles for top recruits and, and whatnot. It's an exciting time. I mean, I can feel the buzz over here in New York. I don't know how it is in LA. I can imagine, um, things are going pretty well. And as you know, Zed said, he's going to a game. I saw on ticket stub that there's a Villanova courtside seat for around $4,500, which is crazy. But this is where Wait, we're how much? What do you got? 4500 for that ticket. Um, so courtside tickets on the reseller's market. But, you know, that just kind of speaks to the volumes of, you know, the hype that it's building in Westwood and what's going to happen. But what are you guys' expectation for the early season. I, just a side note about that Villanova game. I went on the, I, I have season tickets, but I went on to buy a friend some tickets at, at the school's face value. Um, and there was literally one seat left available to buy in the entire stadium for the, for the Villanova game. So I'm very excited and hopefully that is indicative of a very large Bruin crowd um, showing up to that game. But anyway, expectations. Kevin? So for the early season, I expect us to look like a good basketball team. I think that we are going to look much better than we have in previous years under Mick, the last two years uh, to start the year, purely because we had an off season that players all could go through and get better. So I think we're, and we're also coming off a lot of momentum. So I think we're going to be much better to start the year. Do I think we're going to be, you know, the number two team to start the year in the country? Maybe not. And the reason is, you know, most of our problem last year was that the guys that we do have on the team uh, are not individually necessarily great defenders. Mick liked to play that hard man-to-man defense. We figured it out in the tournament. We put a style together together that works. I do think Mick wants to change it up a little bit and move to the style he really wants to go to long-term, which is a more fast-paced, pressing, pressure-type game. And I think the best players suited for that are the new players that we got. Peyton Watson, Miles Johnson coming in from Rutgers. I think they're really going to help us accelerate on that front. And so I think we're going to be very good on that. Uh, but I wouldn't be too concerned if we're not fully up to the races here against the, uh, the likes of Villanova and Gonzaga early on. I do think we will be very competitive. I expect us to be competitive. Uh, and I think that we will improve game by game and be ready to really roar when it comes to conference season. What do you guys think? Um, uh, I agree. I, I think you're right. I think we, we are definitely getting some, a lot of love, some residual love from the tournament. And I mean, our team was just, it was the, I think mean, granted Cinderella is the wrong term as everybody, you know, UCLA can't be a Cinderella team, but we, we had a magical run as the 11 seed. And with that, uh, the media is buying in. And so uh, I agree. I would temper expectations. I think our team gets in the groove. We have to remember we were in a bubble uh, back in Indianapolis. So these guys were just locked in at the time. But now we're back in campus. Students are back. These are real factors for, for student athletes. And our teams in the past have not started out hot, you know, and I'm not saying this could be the same thing for Villanova or Gonzaga, but Villanova is very much in a system with Jay Wright that's been around for years and they've returned Colin, you know, Gillespie. 
And Gonzaga, I think that's the team that, you know, I think we'll play better than we did last year, even though we lost on the buzzer beater, which that we don't need to be reminded of. But that's the game I feel better about versus Villanova when it comes to those games. But we also have Long Beach State, you know, our usual suspect a team that will challenge us. And those are games I'm kind of looking at because I think that will give us a better idea of the conference when we go against these teams who are not necessarily um, considered, you know, the best teams in the conference, but they still are going to have those guys who are just pure ballers and have a chip on their shoulder. And similar, you know, I mean, talking about football, we talked about Fresno State. Like, there are going to be those teams in the Pac-12. I expect a strong showing from the Pac-12 this next year, but granted, we know how Pac-12 is with our big sports. We tend to cannibalize each other until it matters. Um, granted, in basketball, luckily, there's more slots for the tournament, but I'm expecting, you know, UCLA to pick it up. We, I imagine we'll split the two big games uh, going into December. And we also play a North Carolina team with a new coach and uh, in Vegas again. Vegas, you know, we, we might end up making Vegas our, our, our second home at that point. But um, I, I, I am I, I'm not I'm expecting us to go through non-conference with at least two losses um, at the at, at the most. Actually, sorry, not at, at least, but with two losses at the most. But we should be rolling by the time we get around uh, New Year's. And and then I, I think, make also I'm excited to see how he spreads minutes. That's the other thing. I, I think we need to win two out of three of those big games of Villanova, Gonzaga, and UNC to like keep that top five, top two, whatever you want to call it, momentum there. I think it's very possible. Um, but obviously I, I can also see his dropping two of those games um, and just winning one, which is fine. As long as, again, we see that continual improvement throughout the year, which we've always seen with Mick, um, then, then I'll be happy. I, I think, I think the Kevin's point that they, that off season is going to be truly crucial this year, um, building off of last year's, you know, big, um, big run. We're just going to, we need to keep, Building off of that, keep improving on the defense, um, and I'm I am excited and also worried about how we're going to use all of our players. Now, I think there's um, you know depth is always is always a great thing. Is that we've seen this off season, we already lost one guy, uh, freshman Will McClendon, to season-ending injuries. Um, there's a rumor now I'm not going to say this is true or not. I have no idea, but there's a rumor floating around that Mac Etienne um, has a long term potential injury Again, not confirmed, but I think it just shows that that depth can be wiped away very quickly. So, you know, minutes allocation might not be as um, a, a, a quagmire as we thought, but I think that the, the guy that I the two guys I'm really interested to see how we're going to use this season are Jalen Clark and Peyton Watson um I think we we have a pretty solid starting five I think we're going to probably use Riley and Miles Johnson in a similar way that we use Riley and Hill um so I think uh Miles Johnson 
probably is a little bit of a better offensive player than than Jalen Hill was. But then you introduce, you know, Jalen Clark last year who came in. Um, every time he came into the game, made a huge defensive impact. I mean, you could just feel it on the floor. He was the guy that changed how we played um, when we needed to get big stops. And then you have Peyton Watson coming in as a as a true freshman, uber talented five star guy, who kind of uh, brings that length and athleticism that I think in, in many ways we were missing last season when we lost Chris Smith. So. I'm interested to see how those minutes get allocated as the year goes on. Um, I, I guess I, if Watson lives up to how good he is, he's supposed to be like, I don't first, I can't see a world where he's not starting by mid season, but wh- what do you guys think about the lineups and how they're, they're going to shake out? I well, if you read the report, say, go ahead. Isaiah. I was going to say, yeah, I think, Kevin, you're going to touch on it. Like, yeah, we're going to start out the season what, with uh, – I think we have an idea with the starting lineup. Tiger, Jules, Chuzang, Hakez, and, and Riley, right? And then we'll see a mix of Johnson also starting, I think, for certain games or depending on Riley's minutes or injuries, whatever. You know, and but those three that are coming off the bench are going to get key minutes are Watson, Clark, you know, two two players you just mentioned that. And and also, I mean, and Kevin talked about Johnson coming in and you did as well. I'm curious to see. I also think, you know, for other games, we're going to see a lot more singleton. Um, and and because he he, you know, he gets hot certain games. I'm, I, that's the player I'm, I'm curious to see how he fits in all of this, because Obviously, it seems like he's been leapfrogged by the other guys, but I can imagine he has a role for a certain stretch, you know, whether it's an injury or, you know, something that's happened or he gets high and you just, you got to bring him in in that second rotation or whatnot. I expect him to crack in some, in some respect and get some key minutes. Um, if he can, if he can improve his kind of defensive um, abilities, uh, he's, he's going to be the perfect three and D guy for us. Yeah, in some and we've sense, seen that from Kaiman even last year. Exactly, I agree. Yeah, those two are like the 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 wild cards in terms of they can get hot, but we also just need them to not be liabilities on the other side. Yeah, I agree with a lot of this. I, uh, I, I think it's pretty obvious if you listen to Mick in his recent you know media interviews. He wants us to really emphasize out of the gates uh, pressure defense. It looks like he is really emphasizing that to start the year to get that intensity going around the team, to get that build that culture into the team. I think he's wanted to play, again, a more fast-paced pressure style, and we haven't had the horses to do it uh, for the first two years. And this year we have a bit more depth. Fingers crossed, like Zed said, things can change on a dime always. and we also now have a roster where you have some players that can specialize in those roles. You have Jalen Clark, who can be, again, a specialized 3 and D player. He already was something like that last year in the tournament. Uh, provided a lot of that pressure defense. Came in and really helped win some of those games for us. Aiton Watson, I think that's going to be his immediate contribution. Uh, no matter how he starts offensively, he's going to have the length, the athleticism, to challenge shots, to block shots. I think that's going to be a big, 
big thing for him early on in the year. And Miles Johnson's going to provide a lot of rim protection and length that we didn't have last year after we lost Jalen Hill. But I'm also excited to see the improvement on particularly the defensive end of the other players come back. I think, again, Hawkes, I think, has always been a workhorse there. But guys like Juzang, Tiger Campbell, Jules Bernard have shown a lot of improvement in those areas under McCronin. And if you, again, listen to what he's saying, he wants to start with a lot of the same guys that are coming back. I would think because he feels like they've made a lot of improvements in those areas to play the style uh, that we want to play here for DLA. So I'm excited to see it in action. I think, again, it's it's going to be effective by year's end. And, you know, I, I hope it's good enough to win at least two of those non-conference games. Because the non-conference schedule, yes, we're all sitting here and saying we think we're going to improve as the year goes on. But they're big games because we got Gonzaga, who's probably our premier competition for the West Regional. And if they beat us in that game and go on to probably sweep out their conference like they always do, they're probably going to get that West Regional spot. And the flip side of that is we have other big games like Villanova and Carolina to kind of make up for it. So they are big games to kind of get some of that early season momentum and get that seeding momentum going. Um, And anxious to see how it all plays out. Yeah, awesome. Well, we will continue this talk in terms of preview, especially going more in depth in the conference. Uh, but for now, we have a few games coming up. Zed's going to be attending. He's going to be scouting uh, personally for Bruin Source. And, more like yelling. Uh, rest, yeah. probably. <laughs> Everything in between. But perfect. Um, and with that, we're going to wrap up soon. Um, we're going to actually wrap up right now, and we'll continue our preview. We'll We'll go over other UCLA sports as they take on and start to hit the postseason pretty soon with women's soccer and volleyball and water polo. Uh, but first of all, Kevin, thank you so much for joining. Uh, we hope to have you on on the next one. Yeah, this is fun. And the one after. Yeah, and we'll, um, we'll have a little bit more time so we can just get in depth. And then maybe we'll even have uh, some big news on, you know, coach changes. We also, Obviously, we had a, what, the golf coach. Uh, retired recently, but he might not be the only one that's on his way out. So we'll get more in depth into that um, and just keep going on. We're in the midst of, you know, fall sports uh, starting to enter winter. And so it's an exciting time. Thanks. Let's keep doing it. Excellent. It's fun. All right. All right, guys. Sign off. And with that, follow us at the Bru- Bruins Source um, on Twitter. And we'll catch you next time. Go Bruins. Go Bruins. Go Bruins.